April 3rd, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza and Daf If you count from the top of the Amud down, it's seven lines down at the beginning of the next Mishnah. This Mishnah will deal with Melacha known as Borer. We've referenced it, we've referred to it a few times over the course of Masechet Betza. And many of us are familiar with it from the context of Shabbat. Shohan Aruch and Siman Shin Yotet, basing himself on several Gemarot in Masechet Shabbat, explains to us this in Melacha and Shabbat, one of the 39, it's called Borer. Borer would be translated as separating. You're separating something from another. With three conditions, explains Shohan Aruch, it's permitted on Shabbat to separate. As long as you're separating the good from the bad, because the assumption is generally speaking the bad, again, I'm dealing with a mixture of things I don't want, things I do want. Generally speaking, uh, if I were to be sifting uh, the chaff and the kernels, there's a, we would imagine more of the bad than the good. There's a lot more chaff than the kernels, and as a result, the easier way, a more normal way, if I were doing this in a productive fashion, is to separate the bad from the good. The halacha is on Shabbat. If we're going to do this and designate it as ma'aseh achila, as something which is bringing me to eating, you're taking the good from the bad. That's one of the conditions with regards to permissibility on Shabbat. The second one is it needs to be done with your hand as opposed to with a specific utensil and mechanism for separating. On Shabbat, it needs to be done with your hand. So again, if you're going to be separating, number one, you're taking the good from the bad, that which you want to eat or you want to use uh, from something that you don't want to use. You're doing it with your hand and you're doing it not only biyad but miyad. You're doing it immediately before you're going to be eating from it. You're not doing it in preparation for a meal, meal later in the day but for the meal which is uh, right after what you're doing. Now that's with regards to Shabbat. How does this apply on Yom Tov? Well, on Yom Tov, of course, we know this Melechet Ochel Nefesh. Of course, we're familiar with the fact that many of the Melachot, of the prohibited activities that we know about from Shabbat, those 39, are permitted on, on Yom Tov. Tosafot, however, on Daf Gimal told us not really all of them. We really have a statement in Talmud Yerushalmi, which we might be working with here in our Gemara and Mishnayot throughout Masechet Betzah, that it's only from one stage, Milisha Ve'elach. It's only from the uh, stage in which you would be uh, kneading the, the dough and uh, sifting or separating is an earlier stage. As a result, Borer should or could be in full operation in terms of prohibitions on Yom Tov. Just like on Shabbat, you're not allowed to be Borer. Again, the words are Pesolet mitocha ochel. Pesolet, like something that's uh, nifsal, something you're not interested in, and ochel, of course, is food. Uh, so too on Yom Tov. And in turn, our Mishnah will set forth for us a mahloka between Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel, how it is that a person, if they need to separate on Yom Tov, may do so. Says the Mishnah HaBorer, Kotniot biyom tov. If a person is separating legumes on yom tov, let's call it beans. Bet Shammai omrim borer ochel veochel. So Bet Shammai makes clear that that uh, distinction that I mentioned by Shabbat is applicable by yom tov as well. Although ostensibly the pesolet, the inedible, the stuff that I don't want so much is the rov, is the majority. Nonetheless, if I'm going to do this, I need to be doing this b'shinuiksat. I need to be doing this and showing that I'm separating not as a constructive commercial activity. I'm rather doing this in order to eat. Says Be'et Shammai, Ochel.
it's not only by foods. Um, Shulchan Aruch explicitly talks about other circumstances for all intents and purposes. When we're dealing with a ta'arovit, we're generally speaking only going to be addressing foods. You know, the question comes up, for example, with books. Oh, that's one that's relevant in my life. We assume for one reason or another that books is not considered a mixture to a full extent. But if you have clothing that's piled one on top of the other, you have a potential of borer over there as well. Again, because I, I didn't mention one of the prerequisites for this isur is that it's a mixture. As if I have at the table, I have the tissue box and a cup and something else. I'm allowed to mix, I'm allowed to take whatever I want. That's not mixed up. And to define ta'arov, it is difficult, but that's how it needs to begin. So my statement is you take the ochel, and the statement then is ve'ochel. They don't just tell you you can separate and leave it. You take it and you're eating it. Betilel disagrees. They say you're allowed to do berera, you're allowed to separate kedarko the same way you would on a weekday, which means to say the pesolet can be taken from the ochil. You can take the, the inedible or the stuff that you don't want from the stuff that you do want. Beheko, the heka literally means you know the upper part of your body, but the idea over here, or the idea over here, is that it's, you're using maybe the talet or the uh, cloak which is on your body in order to do the sifting, which apparently was a more normal way of doing things. You're not just doing it with your hand; you're taking it with a fabric of some sort and you're moving it around in order to separate. I guess if you're good, you're adept at uh, doing these sorts of things. It's a normal way of doing it. What's that? No, Betilel has no such prerequisite, no, no such law. Kedarko, Bekanon and Tamhui, these are uh, some sort of funnel device, and uh, Tamhui is alternatively like a plate-like device, but these are devices which we use, mechanisms, tools, for separating, for sifting. And as a result, says Betilel, those are permitted. There is a restriction even according to Betilel. Those are larger productive instruments. Those are items which would be used for separating larger amounts. That's not right for Yom Tov. You're making food for your family, maybe for your extended family. You don't need these larger utensils and instruments. What's that? Bechamai made clear it needs to be done. Borer ochel ochel. You're doing it with your hand and immediately, and food from from solid. Bechamai is making this almost identical to Shabbat. But the word borer, the fact that uh, they're not mentioning any instruments, the assumption is you borer bayad. I didn't say miyad either. They said but ochel. The assumption is you're doing it in the uh, identical way as Shabbat, and that's for that reason that Betilel fills in these sorts of details. Velo Bekavra, and lastly, again, these, these utensils, Tavla, Napa, and Kavra, are the larger scale utensils. The last opinion here in the Mishnah is Rabban Gamliel Omer, Af Madiach Ve'sholeh. Rashi explains this is a reference to you throw, again, you're talking about barley or wheat of some sort, which you want to be separated. So you'll throw them into water and assume the water will separate them in a natural fashion. So what will happen is the lighter parts will rise to the top and the lower parts 
will uh, go to the bottom and uh, in turn, uh, excuse me, the, light, the, the heavier to the bottom and the lighter to the top, uh, in such a circumstance as Rabban Gamliel, you can do a Berira as well. Is he adding to Beit Hillel or is he more stringent on Beit Hillel? Again, Beit Shammai's opinion was it needs to be done pretty much as you would do it on Shabbat. Bayad, Miyad, and Ochil Mitoch Psolet. Bet Hillel's opinion is you could do psolet from, excuse me, you can do psolet from ochil. You can do it be keli, not with your hand. And it doesn't need to be per se done miyad. This last opinion, what's that? So, so uh, Eli suggests it's a mahloket harishonim, it's a dispute amongst the uh, medieval commentators of the Mishnah. Eli says this last opinion of Rabban Gamliel, he's talking potentially about a larger scale production. As we say, you have a large bucket and you're throwing a whole lot into it, and as a result, and his words really reflect that af, af sounds like even. And the word af is, is, is an abridged version of afilu, even do this. So it sounds like they're adding on to the approach of betilil. Alternatively, Mi'iri and other of the Rishonim suggest this is restricting, it's narrowing betilil. Instead of using those other utensils that betilil mentioned, you can only do it in this fashion. Maybe not as regular, maybe a little bit more circumscribed in terms of what you can do. Is is good. No, this is permitted. Oh, this and only this is permitted. No, that's what they tell. It'll be so one of two things. One of two things. Either because, either because you can only do it indirectly to this extent, or alternatively, they're adding to betilil and they're saying not only the smaller scale, but even a larger scale, provided it's done like this. Uh, one of those two ways of reading the Bhagavad Gita. If you're not going to use the large scale, why would they allow you at all? In other words, if it is enough that you need for the holiday, so what's the restricting? Why would they allow it at all? The assumption is this is easier. I'm not certain how much I would want, something along those lines. So you're asking in Rabban Gamliel. has to be something along those lines. I'm not 100% certain. It, in the words af, it really does imply that. But that, in other words, he's, he's saying, since I'm doing it indirectly, this is one way of reading it, therefore even a larger scale is permitted. He's not permitting the larger scale with those other utensils, but provided that you know you have some shinui. All right, says the Gemara Tanya, Abiraita Maraban Gamliel, when is it that Betilil's opinion is, and, and, and Betchamai's opinion, as we saw reflected in the Mishnah, are maintained as we saw them specifically? Betilil told us, take from, but Betilil told us, take from the good, from the bad. Uh, I'm sorry, Beti Lel in our Mishnah told us you can even take the inedible, the psolet from the ochel. When would you want to do that? When would that be appropriate? When the majority is the, uh, is the, is, 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 is the other one, right? In other words, if Beti Lel in our Mishnah are telling us, even take the chaff, as opposed to taking the ochil, that's specifically when the ochil is the majority. Since the ochil is the majority, I'd rather do less of an activity, something less. And as a result, says Betilel, you can even take the chaff, take the psolet. However, says says. It sounds like it's a bit of a 
in other words, uh, but again, the point is Betilel are telling you minimize your tirha. And as a result, if, that's Rabban Gamliel's application and explanation, if the psolet is the majority, Therefore, you'd rather do less of an activity, and therefore, okay, so again, so if the ochil is the majority, Tanya, Amara ban Gamliel, Damed varim amurim kshaha ochil miruba ala pesolet. When the food stuff is the majority, I'd rather in turn take the lesser of two uh, um, active um, um, gestures, and that would be by taking the psolet from the ochil. Ava psolet miruba al ha ochil. But if the majority is the psolet, is the chaff, is the inedible stuff, divrei hakol, even Beit Hillel would submit to Beit Shammai in such a situation and say, Quite simply, they would say, take the ochil and leave the psolet. After all, the ochil in this situation is the lesser amount, it's the easier activity. Of course, that's what you should be doing. That's the Gemara, that's Rabban Gamliel's claim with regards to qualifying the words of Beit Hillel. Even Beit Hillel who permit are permitting not specifically that you need to take the chaff, but uh, alternatively, you're taking the easier and it will play out accordingly. Says the Gemara, wait a second, Pesolet miruba al ha'ochil. If the circumstance is such that there's more chaff than food, more, more of the inedible than the kernels, the edible part, mi'ika mandeshare, would anyone permit explains Rashi, in even handling this mixture, what do you mean even handling this mixture? This mixture should be rendered, would be rendered mukseh. This mixture in such a circumstance, since it's majority inedible, we should say there's a bitul berov. The majority, when I look at this mixture, is items and foodstuffs that are not food at all. And in turn, it's mukseh. So you're telling me, Rabban Gamliel, in a circumstance where there's psolet miruba al ha'ochil, where the majority is the inedible, and there is an edible part, well, even over there, Beit Hillel would say, take the edible part. Well, what are you talking about? You can't start with such a case. Such a case is Mukseh answers the Gemara, La Serikha. It must be that what Rabban Gamliel was referring to was not in terms of quantity, but in terms of difficulty. Dinafish bitirha vizutar bishi'ura. Nafish means abundant, a lot. Zutar means small. In other words, the suggestion of Rabban Gamliel is it goes like this. There is psolet not being per se in quantity more than foodstuff. But in terms of difficulty, in terms of difficulty, it will be harder because they're thinner to separate the psolet, the chaff, or whatever I'm dealing with, than separating the food. Again, the majority is the food. I need that to begin with because otherwise this would be mukseh. If the majority is the non-food stuff in such a circumstance, I say this whole thing can't be handled. Don't pick it up. Don't be dealing with it. However, in this circumstance, even Rabban Gamliel's situation where it appeared not that way, that's not what he meant. He meant the majority in terms of quantity is you have more food than not food. However, in terms of ease, in terms of ease, it's easier to separate the food because it's coarser, it's thicker for whatever reason, more easily handle, handleable, it's easier to pick up and to separate. In that situation, says Rabban Gamliel, even Betilel agree, oh, we don't want you overexerting yourself. Their whole point, ultimately speaking, is you can do this in the easier of two ways, and they tell you, take the ochil instead of the psolet. Just thinking that this is about taking the barley, taking the mustard seed, which is 
Well, now we're trying to fine-tune exactly how you would be doing that. Okay. No, okay. Really I, 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 really good. Good. No, but just this is good because obviously over there we see so the the, the, is not the item is not. How are you even calling this the, picture of in the in the Lot situation? We were dealing with an altogether different melacha. We were dealing with the melacha of disha of crushing. And now that we're past with past the issue of crushing, I'm left now with a mixture, and I want to know how to separate it. So we did talk about nifiha. The seeds themselves that come out now are in the are still the mixed with other things. With other seeds. The crushing stage crushing. is over. I even uh, maybe maybe even was minapeh bayad, but I still have a mixture left. How do I separate when I have that remaining mixture? Well, the first part was not a berera per se. The first part, you were being menapeach, miyad liyad, in such a circumstance, you weren't really separating. You were just uh, having it go up. And over here, you're separating. You're taking good from bad and bad from good. Yeah, but if you did all that, I think it's still be well, uh, ultimately speaking, the Gemara is saying you won't have an, uh, a majority bad. That's number one. Number two, maybe it didn't do all that, right? In other words, Jesse's assuming this is the next stage, not per se. All right, says the Gemara onward, Rabban Gamliel Omer, Af Madiah Vesholeh. Rabban Gamliel's statement was in our Mishnah, and one of two ways in terms of reading it is what you can do is, or what you should do, one of two ways of reading Rabban Gamliel's we mentioned, you take these stalks, enter them into the bucket, into the barrel of water, and allow for the barrel of water to separate them, and in turn take... What's that? There has to be, there needs to be another uh, explanation as to why this food, this mixture of good food and bad food, is even called Muxer. Muxer is a term that we used for something that had no, absolutely no use on your top. Well, again, if the majority is inedible chaff... Okay, but then there's 10% that I can eat but this is a ta'arovet that has a bitul, is the understanding. This ta'arovet, this mixture, is overtaken by the forbidden parts of it to designate it in turn, as much as we like doing this leheter, we do it le'isura as well, to say that the whole thing is prohibited. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi mi'ika mandeshare, is there anyone who would permit? It's about uh, 15 lines from the top, says Rashi, ve'afilu letaltelo, and even to move it, that, uh, in other words, shouldn't be permitted. Don't we say there's a bitul, it gets annulled, it gets knocked out, the minority foodstuffs, by the majority of that which is inedible. And in turn, we envision it, halachically speaking, as if it's entirely inedible, and it's not appropriate. That's the way the halakha works. We have a harer abim lehatot. We go with... This, uh, you can't be... You could walk over if you'd like to and pick that out, but you can't move this mixture to here in order to deal with it. You can't pick up the bad and the good and be separating over here. The mixture... Something along those lines. The point is, it'll be considered mukse in its entirety. Says the Gemara again, Rabban Gamliel Omer Af Madiah Tanya, 
Beraita tells about uh, this uh, sort of activity of Madiah Vesholeh by reporting about Amar Bil Azab Sadok. Bil Azab Sadok attested to the fact that Kachayam Minhagan Shel Bet Rabban Gamliel. This was the ways of the household of Rabban Gamliel. Shahayum Mevi'in, they would bring Deli Male Adashim. They would bring a, a bucket which was filled with Adashim, with lentils. And in turn, they'd pour water over that bucket of lentils. Okay, I said it with stalks. Over here, it doesn't need to be stalks even. You have lentils mixed in with all sorts of other stuff, twigs and chaff and so forth. No, you have, we established, it must be majority good stuff. Otherwise, it is mukse, 100%. And by so doing, you'd find by adding the water in that the food would um, float up to the top and the, uh, the inedible part. No. No. I understand. I, I got. I got everybody's question. I'm just reading. I'm just reading the words right now. Give me a sec. Oche lemata. The food would go to the top, and the not the inedible part. You're reading it with me, Eli. Would go to the bottom. Vehatanya ipcha. Don't we have a beraita which says it the opposite way, the way you and Charlie wanted it? That the inedible part would float to the top, and the edible would go to the bottom. Says the Gemara lakashya. This is not difficult because it's dependent upon what the mixture was. Sometimes you'd be dealing with the inedible part being sand and dirt. Sand and dirt is heavy and as a result that would sink to the bottom whereas I guess these adashim would come up to the top. Alternatively, if it's gileh, gileh Rashi explains is kash, is straw, that would float to the top. And uh, the uh, foodstuffs would fall, well, would, would sink to the bottom. Of water, is allowed in separating the good from the bad, not the bad from the good. According no. to Bet Shammai, who we are? I don't know. Bet Hillel, you're allowed to do even the bad from the good. That's even what we learned in our Mishnah. On Yom Tov. Okay. Correct. No, no. Because of Ochel Nefesh. On Yom Tov? Yes. It's not food. It's not inedible stuff together with your food. There's even 49% that's bad, as long as I have 51% that's good. According to Bet Hillel on Yom Tov, yes. What? But you're doing it, by, you're doing it in order to get to your food. You're separating it. All. What's that? I said if the, if the percentage is such that this is not considered a food mixture, this is just a mixture of inedible stuff, as a result, you can't get involved in it. We say to you, don't get involved in moving that, in maneuvering it. If alternatively, this is food, it just has some stuff. But that's, that's the reality in life. We don't know such things. The names and the designations will be the, the difference between you know, uh, polar opposites. Says the next Mishnah, Bet Shammai Omrim, Em Meshalechin Ber Yom Tob El Amanot, Ubet Hillel Omrim Meshalechin Behema Haya Va'of Ben Hayim Ben Shehutin. So the Mishnah over here is going to be talking about presence 
which might be given on Yom Tov. According to Bet Shammai, en meshalechin ela manot. You can only send manot. Rashi explains, manot is davar hamuchan. It's something which is prepared. Veno asui lehanicholemachar. It's not something which would be left over for the next day. Kegon, for example, hatichot basar hatuchot. It's uh, slices of meat which are already finished. In front of guests. And so to fish. That's Beit Hillel's opinion. And much as in the last Mishnah, Beit Hillel was making clear, listen, if it's an absolute necessity for the holiday, well, that's what you're allowed to do. Something which appears to be preparation for later or unnecessary labor, that's not permitted. Beit Hillel are more expansive in their permissibility. You can send animals, non-domesticated animal, they're off and foul, ben hayin ben shechutin, whether alive or already slaughtered, and they're allowed to be in turn slaughtered by the person you're sending them to. Mishalechin continues the Mishnah, yenot, shemanim, v'siltot, you can send wines and oils, and siltot are flowers, v'kotniot, and, and beans and legumes, aval, but, concludes the Mishnah, lo tevuah, you're not allowed to send uh, grain. Why are you not allowed to send tevuah? Uh, so the reason is because we're talking about when it's in its stalks. And as a result, since you could have and should have done that from yesterday, and you didn't do it from yesterday, we're not going to permit it. And as a result, the live animal, the meat would have gone bad had you slaughtered it beforehand. Eli, had you slaughtered it beforehand, the meat would have gone bad. And as a result, it's permitted on the holiday. Rabbi Shimon Matir Bitvuah, Rabbi Shimon because he wants to eat food on the holiday. And it's better when it's fresh on the holiday, and as a result, we permit slaughtering it even on the holiday. As opposed to the grain, we assume it's not gonna go bad if it was done beforehand, and as a result, you can't give it on the holiday in its stalk-like uh, state. The Bishimon disagrees, he's matir bitvua. Why is he matir bitvua? Well, the Gemara will explain but Rashi already helps us. Rashi says, if you recall the last Gemara, we talked about the permissibility, at the very least in Bavel, using machteshet, using machteshet ketana. We talked about using a grinding device, which was small, and that was permitted on the holiday. If you recall, we had such a discussion. We'll, we'll return to that again in our Gemara. The overarching issue, which is not addressed in this Mishnah, it's really addressed later in Masechet Betzan Daflam Medzayin, but you have several appearances of it throughout, is giving presents. How is it permitted? Is it permitted to give a present on the holiday or on Shabbat by extension? Uh, why should it not be? Well, the Mishnah later on on Daflam Medzayin will tell us that you're not allowed to be makdish, you're not allowed to be maharim and so forth. You're not allowed to sanctify and designate items as changing ownership from myself, so to speak, to Borei Olam or to the Mikdash. That's prohibited. Uh, what's the reason that that's prohibited? One of two reasons. It's well, first and foremost, because of what's called mekah humemkar. You're not allowed to change ownership on Shabbat and Yom Tov. That's a rabbinic prohibition for one of two reasons. Either because the pasuk says in Sefer Yeshaya, davar on Shabbat and on Yom Tov, you're not supposed to be involved in mitzoh You're not supposed to be dealing with your stuff. Or alternatively, Harambam accepts this approach in his Hilchot Shabbat. It's shemei because by being involved in commerce, in transferring ownership, you might write down. Either way you go on one of those two reasons, because it'll bring you to writing when you 
change, uh, uh, change uh, ownership, or alternatively, it's because of this general it's prohibited to tra- change uh, ownership on Shabbat or on holiday. So I don't understand. They're debating. Not allowed to do so. That's right. What's that? You can send matanot to the coin. Matanot, same question. You're not allowed to give terumah for this reason. You're allowed to give them matanot. It's a question whether you're allowed to give it to him, though. We saw that already. Same question. Same question as this Mishnah. Same question we'll have at the beginning of the uh, second Perik, the, Mish- the Gemara and the Mishnah. There we'll talk about Eruv Tafshilin. And the circumstance will be, I didn't make an Eruv Tafshilin. As a result, the food that I want to prepare for tomorrow, I can't do. The Mishnah, the Gemara will tell us what you can do is you can be maknet to your neighbor. You can take your foodstuff and say to your neighbor, this belongs to you now. Can you make the food for me or for yourself and share it with me? Uh, how is any of this permitted? It should be asur at the very least midrabanan. So generally speaking, we we divide this into two approaches in the Rishonim. Uh, one approach is ran. Ran is in uh, in the back of the Gemara. Rabenu Nisim and Daftet of Dapeharif. He suggests that if it's for divar mitzvah, if it's in the context of performing a mitzvah, it's permitted. You're allowed to change ownership if it's for divar mitzvah. That's his permissibility. Of course, many people are familiar with this in the context of, you know, a lulav and etrog on, uh, on holiday. You're allowed to give matanal menat hazir over there as well. How are you allowed to do that? The makom mitzvah, the hachamim permitted. If it was asur from the Torah, it might not be. But it's mutar min ha-Torah, it's asur mitar banan the rabbis permitted. Alternatively, mordechi, mordechi is a... I made a mistake. Ra, uh, okay. That first approach I just mentioned to you is Mordechi. Mordechi is a German, uh, one of the Rishonim, also in the back of the Gemara. Ran, alternatively, says you don't need to go that far. He precedes Mordechi. He says as long as the transfer of ownership is not in the formal sense, you're not transferring land, and you're not making a Kinyan Sudar, you're not making some sort of formal transactional uh, gesture, which is called Kinyan Sudar, it's permitted. So again, one of two ways with regards to how to deal with all these cases in the Gemara, either, as Mordechi says, we narrow it to Makom Mitzvah, that makes it a little bit more difficult for me and you on the holiday, unless we assume the present we're giving to our wife or to our friend is mitzvah of Yom Tov, but it might be. That would be, that's the permissibility. We'll deal with that in a second. That's permi- I gotcha, I gotcha. That's permitted. Um, alternatively, you don't need to go that far, as long as we're not making kinyan sudar. I don't think anyone's making kinyan sudar when they give the present. That's permitted as well. Uh, what you can do is, uh, uh, as well as uh, um, Nathan said, you could just give it to the person and say, well, it's really yours tomorrow. I'm loaning it to you from, for now. It's really yours tomorrow. You can do that as well. Hacham Vadya Yosef in talks about giving the bar mitzvah boy a present for Sh- on Shabbat. And so what he says is, be makneh before, ha- before Shabbat. Turn to another person. You want to surprise the boy. Have another person be koneh. Zachin adam shelo befanav. You can do it in such a way as well. Effectively, though, there's ways of dealing with giving matanos. For that reason, the Gemara never really addresses it. There's many ways of uh, addressing this and dealing with this. There is, interestingly, Magen Avraham in Siman Shinva, 
Rav wonders, he says, how is it that on a Shabbat Hatan, prior to or after a Hatan, a groom gets married, they would give them a, a book in the Knesset, similar to what we do today. How are they permitted to do that? And what many of the poskim suggest is that's either Makom Mitzvah, meaning we're expansive in determining what's Makom Mitzvah. It's ideal for that reason even in the youth groups. Give them something that they'll be able to play with on Shabbat, because I'll call it Makom Mitzvah, it's Onik Shabbat. It's rabbinically prohibited in the first place. Or alternatively, there's no Kinyan Sudar, it would be permitted for that reason. Again, back to the Mishnah then. So that's what I'm so that's what I'm saying. If they could use it on Shabbat, we could be a little expansive potentially and call it Makom Onik Shabbat or Simhat Yom Tov. But then back to our Mishnah, our Mishnah then, once you've averted and dealt with this issue of giving a matana on Shabbat on Yom Tov, our Mishnah now says, but not every matana is permitted on Yom Tov according to Beit Shammai. According to Beit Shammai, it's only an item which is a mana. It's ready to be used and eaten from and dealt with immediately, whereas Beit Hilel say a little bit more expansive. We can deal with this even if you're giving them something which is mechusan ma'aseh and they need to deal with, but not tivuah. Mishnah concludes another one of the Tanaim disagrees and suggests even tivuah is permitted. We'll continue with this in the Gemara after Pesach.